0: this year, 2020, is our year to go vertical. And of course, our theme scripture um, from Haggai chapter 2, verse 19, um, is the seed still in the barn, and yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have not yet yielded fruit, but from this day, that's the new King James. King James says, from this day and upward, I will bless you. Say this day and upward. And then Proverbs 15, 24 was a scripture we have uh, uh, connected to the Wednesday night here. And it says, the way of life winds upward. Everybody say upward. upward. For the wise. Man, that's a mouthful right there. It? The way of life winds. Which means it's a process, it's movement. The way of the wise winds upward for the wise that he may turn away from the hell below. Man, Lord, bless the socks off of your people tonight. In Jesus' name. Hug three people before you're seated and tell them they look stunning and amazing in this place tonight. Ask them how much weight they've lost. If they're taking that stay young forever pill, where can you get your hands on some of that? So, this is the way we have to approach this, right? I love, you know, there's a a, a verse of scripture that all of us can quote, It's, it's the central theme defining the purpose for which Jesus came. When he said, I am come, finish the scripture for me that you might have And that more abundantly. Often when I hear pastor um, quoting that scripture, I love the way he says this. He says, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, comma, and that more abundantly. Here's the question. What side of the comma are you on? Right? Because it's easy to hear. And and, and again, I'm reminded of the words that Paul said in Galatians. When he talks about, he says, the the son even though he is the heir of all things, remains under the care and the stewardship of guardians until the time appointed by the Father. Right? So this whole idea about going vertical and living the elevated life is a process. We know that we're not gonna become a Christian on Wednesday and wake up Thursday rich and calling people out of the cemetery. Now, When you become a child of God, those are things that are accessible for you. And those are things, those are things promised to you. But I I know that in this series, not just on Sundays, but the way we've been approaching on Wednesdays as well, that some of you from, you know, varying degrees and angles are probably asking this question, what, what does it mean to go vertical or what does the elevated life mean? And that's a good question. And aren't you glad that the Bible gives us good answers? Come on, tell your neighbor, if you ask the right questions, you get the right answers. So what we're left to do, because we know beyond the shadow of a doubt, because the word tells us, here's what will never happen. We will not get to heaven and then get shown all of the amazing things that we could have experienced, the incredible potential and possibilities, and we are totally shocked and caught off guard and surprised. We had no idea. That's not going to be the case, because the Bible lets us know that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him Amen. and are called Amen. according to his purpose. Look at, the, look at your neighbor and say, it's all for you. And there's no resistance on the Father's part. The scripture tells us that it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It brings more joy to the Father to give you the kingdom, to grow your authority, to enlarge your borders, to give you more power and more influence. It brings more joy and fulfillment to the Father than it ever will to you and I, right? And so we see, you know, we, we, the scripture has answers, I said, and it means this, it means that the matriarchs and patriarchs of scripture, we see the, the, this incredible elevated life that they lived But not for the purpose of establishing some social class spiritually of the untouchable elites. But rather to show what is possible to somebody who will just keep growing. And keep going after God like he's all that matters. And keep digging and keep searching and keep praying and fasting. Come on somebody. Look at your neighbor and say the elevated life is for you. It shows us that there's these these growths or these these expansions along the way in our process of, of, of going from our first introduction to Christ to being somebody that's moving and shaking in the kingdom of God. We see the great men and women of Scripture. We see things, we see varying degrees of their depth of relationship. We know that God referred to Moses as the meekest man that ever lived. He looks at Abraham and said, Abraham is my friend. We see the varying degrees of inclusion in God's plan. Simply meaning that that God did a lot with them and through them. We see the various levels or degrees and depth of friendship with God. So the path to and the reward of elevation is laid out well for us in scripture. Somebody say, thank God. thank God. And of course, the high or elevated life is where God really desires for us to be since, as I've said, it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. There are various degrees. <laughs> uh, uh, to, to the to the brand new believer, I would say, listen, where the the... The, the way in which and the level that you are communicating with God right now, it won't always be that way. It will grow, it will get better. The struggle sometimes that you go through to, to, to hear the voice of God and and, 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 then, and then understand what he's saying, right? I, 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 I preach for a friend of mine in San Francisco, actually he's a friend of the pastors uh, as well for many, many years. Uh, I was preaching for him, and while he and I were walking through the lobby after the service, um, something I had just preached that night. This lady comes up to him as her pastor and says, uh, "Pastor, I, I, I just, I, I, I know, I believe all this talk that you guys do about hearing from God, but he, but she said, but I don't hear from God. I don't hear the voice of God." He says, "Yes, you do." She looked at him like, "How, how you?" How are you going to argue that with me? I'm telling you what I know. I don't hear the voice of God. He said, yes, you do. You just don't know what you're listening for. And he said, here's what you do. And it kind of caught her off guard. It was quite comical to to me. He said, on your way home tonight, stop at the corner market store, go in there and steal a candy bar. And she looked shocked. And he said, what would you hear walking out of that store? She said, well, I would hear my conscience. I would hear this voice and so- uh, say, what's wrong with you? You're better than this. Go back there and pay for that. Don't ever do this again. And she walked away. said, so, I guess I do hear the voice of God. I'm just not aware that that's what it is. I'm telling you that you will go from a place. There's a, the, the, the Bible says in, uh, uh, oh, I'm gonna get to that in a second. I'm getting ahead of myself you're gonna go from scratching your head and straining, trying to understand. Is that God trying to discern? Is it God? Is it my flesh? Is it the voice of the world? Is it just influencers around me? Is it really God? And then you get that figured out. It's like, well, what did God really mean? And my prayer and the scriptures teach That the path that you were on to the elevated life means that you're gonna get to this place where you're not scratching your head anymore trying to wonder and determine, was that God? But the minute that God speaks to you, you will know it's the voice of God, number one. Number two, as he is speaking, you will understand precisely what it is that he's saying and asking of you. Come on, somebody, that's good news. That's good news. All of us know what that's like, to battled and struggled our way through these processes and we hear things and we got a predicament in front of us, something that we got to make a decision about it. Man, I don't know what to do and and God help me and God's speaking and we're not sure. And come on, look at somebody next to you and say, it's gonna get clear this year. Instead of always trying to figure out what happened. The elevated path means that you're going to get to this place where you're not asking what happened. You are, you are, you are forewarned before it happens. I find it interesting that you know we get we got an idea that Moses went to the top of mountain, God gave him the Ten Commandments, wrote in stone. Moses came down and got angry and just you know dropped the commandments or threw them on the ground or what have you. But there, you got to back up a little bit and see that there were. This is three different times that God brought Moses into the conversation. In in, in Exodus chapter 22, we're not going to go there, read it at home. Exodus 22, God calls Moses to the mountain and he tells him what he's going to be implementing in terms of the law of God. And he says, listen, go down and tell the people. And he gives them the Ten Commandments. Then he calls him back up the mountain the second time. And the second time, Moses sits in the glory of God and watches the finger of God write the things out in stone. But seeing God write it on tables of stone, is not Moses was not caught off guard. Y'all hear? My point is, is what God was writing by the finger of God on tables of stone to be the law of God to humanity, Moses was already aware of it. Then he comes down, and you know, the people have built a golden calf and, and they're worshiping the idol, and Moses gets frustrated and throws the tablet to the ground. God calls him back up the mountain the third time and says, Now you sit, this little hammer and sizzle, I will tell you, and you gotta ride it this time. <laughs> My point is, is God takes no pleasure in trying to help his people understand what has happened. Numbers 12, three through eight, I think we got that right. Now listen, here's what the scripture says. It says, now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, now listen to what's happening. Some people have gotten a little bit of an attitude and their family, imagine that. These are siblings, having a little bit of bickering between themselves. And the bickering was, Moses is the guy that's been designated to hear from God and bring it to the people. Now we're not in that era now. Thank God, we'll get to that at the end of this message. But Miriam and Aaron are starting to complain and say, what's, what, what's Moses, you're the only one that hears from God? And God says, Moses, shh, you don't have to defend yourself, I got this. And he calls all three of them to the front of the tent and then the glory of The cloud of God's glory comes to the tent, and from the cloud, God has this conversation. And he said unto Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. And then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. (laughs) That's a nervous moment. Aaron and Miriam come forward, and they look at Moses. Moses, you coming? And Moses is just sitting back there, not saying a word, because he's the most humble man on the planet Earth. (laughs) And God says, hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision, or I'll speak to him in a dream. But this is God's heart. This is God's heart, what comes next. But not so with my servant Moses, for he is faithful in all my house. God says, with him I will speak face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings because he sees the form of the Lord. Why then are you not afraid to speak against Moses? Don't get caught up, Don't let's not get distracted or sidetracked by the point of that story being the rebellion of Aaron and Miriam. Let's hear the heart of God as he's saying, when it comes to other people and other groups and prophets and what have you, if I've got something to say to them, I'll say it to them in a dream or a riddle or a dark saying, but not so with Moses for with him, I speak face to face. Come on, look at you, look at your neighbor and say face to face is coming this year. Numbers 11 tells us this. This is Moses now after this experience. Uh, 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 knowing, knowing the heart of God. Listen to what Moses says. Did I, 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 did I give that scripture to you? Numbers eleven twenty nine. 29. Let me tell you what Numbers eleven twenty nine 29 says. Moses is, is defending again the way that God speaks. Okay, we got it. Then Moses says to him, to the gentleman he's talking to, he says, are you zealous for my sake? In other words, this cat that's hanging out with Moses is starting to see God interacting with other folks. And thinks, wait a second, shut him down Moses. That's exclusive to you. And Moses says, are you zealous for me? Oh, that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon him. Look at your neighbor and say, it is the heart of God. I'm gonna give you a long one. Look at your neighbor and say, it is the heart of God to speak to everybody face to face. That's the point that that's making. We see the patriarchs and matriarchs not establishing some kind of elitism, some kind of untouchable category that only a select few live. They serve their generation according to the will of God, but God did not aim to set them up as unreachables. God aimed to show what I will do through people that go after me like I'm all that matters. Isaiah 55.3 says that, Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live. Tell your neighbor if you hear, you'll live. Matthew four four. Jesus said it like this: A man must cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, both the written and the continual word. John five twenty five says it again: Hear the voice of God, and you will live. And so, so there are patterns. So so here's the point. We we look at, so let's jump way ahead, and we see Moses. Moses is in this relationship with God where God speaks to him face to face. There's no guessing. There's no wondering, what was that God, and what did God mean? It is absolutely clear as day. Moses has so much authority and power. He spends so much time in the manifest presence of God that nobody else had been able to experience, so much so that his, his whole countenance has changed. He he comes down from the mountain and the other people can't even hardly look at him because the, the presence of God on him just speaks for itself and convicts people of their wrongdoing. So how does one get to that point? Well, then we can look back and he's not the only one. We can see this over and over in scripture. We want to look for the patterns that have predictable outcomes. What happens In other words, Moses' ascension to the top of the mountain where he experienced this incredible measure of elevation is marked with very, very important observations that you and I should pay attention to, right? Number one, when you live the elevated life, the crowd shrinks. The crowd gets thinner. Here's what the ascension of the mountain looked like. And it wasn't because some of the guys in the group were just carnal and not godly men. There's other reasons for it. He tells Moses, get get, get you, get Joshua, get Aaron and her, and all the 70 elder, elders of Israel, meet me at the bottom of the mountain. So the process, the ascension has begun. The word, come on, we're going vertical, has, is thrown out to the group. They're all standing at the, void, at the base of the mountain. Then God speaks to Moses and said, now tell the 70 elders, this is as far as they can go. And tell Aaron and Er that they're gonna be in charge. They're gonna stay here with them and be in charge while you guys keep going up. They go halfway up the mountain, just Moses and Joshua. Halfway up the mountain, God stops him and says, uh, Moses, tell Joshua, This is the end of the road for now. You're gonna go up higher. Then Moses goes to the top of the mountain and sits and soaks in the manifest presence of God. Now, why did, what what determined Moses? the degree or the the distance up the mountain these others could go because some were spiritual, some were not, some were, you know, great people and some were terrible people. No, it's just in the providence of God, that's not where they were yet. That's not in the plan yet. The elevated life is, is, is marked by this in part. Your your discretion, your discerning, and it's no longer, is this person corrupt? Is this person evil? Are they, are they a no good heathen? Trying to pull me back all the time. The, the, the crowd shrinks as you go up the mountain. I want to be careful how I say this because I I, I am not at all suggesting that all of you go out into the lobby tonight and look at all of your God-loving, God-chasing Christian friends and decide who's worthy to be next to you. (laughs) Right? Some people are hungrier than others. It doesn't mean we can't hang out. It means that there's some things we won't share with, with somebody who's not doesn't have the capacity to value what it is you would share. Not only does the crowd get thinner, so does the air. Which means there's less that you can do. Oftentimes, fighters, boxers will go to uh, Denver or um, Alpine, some of these you know, high high elevated mountain peaks to train because the conditioning, you, you, can, you can't do as much work as you do down in the valley. You can't do as much cardio and what have you. But what little work you do is exacerbated in terms of its dynamic effect and value to your body. Y'all understand what I mean? In the valley, you could do 100 jumping jacks. You go a mile high where there's less oxygen in the air, you can do 10 but the 10 that you do, a mile high, are going to have greater benefit to your body than the 100 down in the valley. Does that make sense? That means the higher you go, vertical, ascending to the elevated life, are we clear on that? what that much of it means, right? I, that was a weak yes, I think I heard three. We understand what we're, what we're chasing after and I'm, I'm speaking on the assumption that I'm talking to a room full of God chasers. People that want to do as Proverbs says, get out of and rise above the hell that is below and live life on the upward path that the wise live on. Come on, somebody. The air gets thinner means that you can do much less and it takes more endurance. The glory of God increases. His voice grows clearer. So, so, so the path looks something like this, right? And our relationship with God, it goes something like this. It starts with an introduction. Your relationship with God, it starts as an introduction. Then it becomes an acquaintance. Then it becomes friend. Then it becomes son or daughter. Now hear me, I'm not saying that you try so hard and you do so well, you get rewarded and eventually you're a son or daughter of God. You are that at the when you are introduced to him. We're talking about the level of benefits that you enjoy and the nature, the quality of the nature of the relationship. That's what Paul was writing about in Galatians when he said the son, even though he's the heir of all things, it's like this. Look, Jackson, my my grandson's not here tonight. Jackson is 12. If I had $10 million in the bank, now well, let me confess it, when I have $10 million in the bank and, 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 and it's all aired to Jackson, I can't do that because then, then I, got, I got a war between Kinsey and Dylan as well, our other two grandchildren. But let's say Jackson is gonna be the executor. And uh, how many of y'all understand that at 12 years old, and if I passed off the scene and he's 13, 12, whatever, how many of y'all understand that you can't just give him 12 million dollars it would be like every kid in the school gets a new xbox the whole neighborhood gets lifetime popsicles and you know before you know what happened that millions of dollars would be gone and nothing to show for it does it mean that does it cancel him out as being the heir no it means that the call to the elevated life is a process and the achievements are measured, or the the space, the distance, where you're at in the process is measured by maturity. That's why Paul said, let him stay under the care and the oversight and the stewardship of guardians until he reaches, so if I said to him, listen, here's the deal, Jackson, you're 12. When you graduate from high school and you haven't turned into a total knucklehead, you get a million dollars. If you go to college, you'll get a car. If you finish college and you know, you didn't get... (laughs) Look at somebody and say, I get it. It's in increments, It's, it's meted according to maturity. So when you come to Christ, Before you come to Christ, you're a son and daughter of God. You're just a lost son or daughter of God. When you come to Christ, it's not that you're trying to achieve and work towards sonship, you are already a son and daughter of God. But you're not getting the full inheritance until you grow some and move your way into it through maturity. Somebody say amen. right? Communication staggers up as well. It, it goes from this. You heard about what happened at the entry level. Then you grow. You go through some experiences. You you go through a, a, a beginning of the year, time of fasting and prayer as a church collectively. And God shows you some things and speaks some things to you. And you, 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 you grow in your understanding and your wisdom. Then you go from hearing about what has happened to being told what is happening. And then you keep going. And then you get to that place where you're told what's going to happen. That's what God said about Abraham. And he called Abraham his friend. Abraham was a friend of God. God said this, he said, I won't do anything in the earth without first telling Abraham what's coming again that 's not some kind of you know characterization to ascribe only to Abraham and go well that 'll never repeat itself again that 'll never happen again. God lets us see that in the Father of our faith Abraham to show to to to, to as a premise to show maybe a prototype is a better word what is Possible and what is capable to people that will put their life on the line, leave Ur, the Chaldeans, leave everything behind and look for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. I want to know what's going to happen. I've spent too much of, of my adult life scratching my head going, What happened? God will tell you what happened. But there's one thing to be told what happened after it happened, and there's little you can do about it or contribute to it, to getting to that place where you live with this prophetic sense of awareness that gives your life an edge and enables you to live with a sense of certainty that not everybody has. So here's, what's, here, here, here's, here's where you're going. Here's what you can look forward to. Everybody say clearer more definitive instructions. Come on, I want you to tell somebody next to you, I'm going vertical, I'm going up that mountain. You go from coming to church and it's, we're, we're, again, we're not negating or bashing any of these experiences. We're just saying, don't settle where you are. Don't stop where you are, there is more. And so you go from this place where you come to church and feel like every one of us feel when we walk into the, into the church house, especially this house. We walk in here and sometimes you can't even feel your feet touch the ground almost. It's like, Lord, if I jumped, I might not even come down. <laughs> I feel such a concentration of the power and the presence of God. And then you go home and wake up Monday morning and, and you, gotta, you gotta face the hell below. That's okay, don't stop. A pastor friend of, a friend of mine, Dick Burnell said years ago, I heard him say, he said, listen, one rule to remember, when you're going through hell, do not stop. <laughs> right, just keep moving. But here's what happens. You go from, from, from walking in here and encountering and experiencing God and then leaving and, 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 and you, it, you get so deeply saturated and consumed by that presence that you wake up Monday morning and hop out of bed and go, holy smokes, it feels just like yesterday. And it's not just you know an emotional experience, but the abiding presence of God. You realize you're not shaking this. You get a new understanding of that old song we used to sing. We used to, uh, I I mean, I grew up sleeping under the church pews, picking dried bubble gum off the bottom of the pews. Not really. (laughs) No, it was true. And our pastor, when I was a kid growing up, Pastor Paul Price, his mother-in-law was part of the church. She was like in her 80s. And we used to have testimony service back then. Anybody been in church long, enough to remember those? We stopped doing those because people didn't know how to testify. They got up and give too much glory to the devil, you know. <laughs> Devil's been chasing me all week long. And that's not a testimony. Come on now, give the Lord some praise, somebody. <laughs> she was famous for just stand up testimony service No music, she'd stand up and she had a big, booming, billowy voice out of a four foot 11 frame. And she would sing a song. Those songs, in my dark hours, in my fog moments, I hear Mom Hammond's voice singing those songs. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own, remember those? I can remember sitting under the pew and thinking, is that really true? I mean, you know, I I, I love church and Sunday school and all that, but but that God could really walk with you and talk with you and you hear him say personal things like you are my own, I'm for you, I'm not against you, I approve of you, I'm so proud of you, well done, you are my son, you are my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That is true in the elevated life. You live with this sense of awareness that gives you a sense of certainty about life and what's coming. Not so you can avoid it, so you can be adequately prepared. I'll finish with this. Here's another thing that happens. The way, the manner in which God speaks Staggers upward. Here's what happens, and I'm going to spend just a moment on the last two. His voice beckons from afar. Then you go higher, and his voice becomes familiar. Jesus said it like this My sheep, they hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. But it gets better. You start off hearing from afar, and you have to strain and kind of what, was, was that God? It, 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 what, what did he mean? And so forth, till his voice becomes very familiar. And then something else happens. His voice becomes intimately near. Isaiah 30:21 speaks of whether there's a place that God really wants to direct His people from not yelling from afar listen God loves you he's committed to you but some of us have spent our whole lives where God has had to holler at us hey this way where are you going your ears shall hear a word from behind you saying this is the way walk in it y'all see that So you go from hearing his voice from afar and to the place where his voice starts becoming very familiar to that place where he's intimately near and the Bible says that he speaks from behind. But then it gets better. Then you get to that place where he doesn't even have to speak. His expression guides you. Say, ah, oh, now you're getting crazy. What does that mean? Psalm 32 eight, listen to what David said. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will guide you with mine eye. I remember in growing up in church, I got 53 seconds left. Ben, praise team, thank you, Robert. Y'all well, get ready to help me. My father, you know, all the time that we were growing up until I was 12, my father was always on the platform. And of course, dad would not disrupt the service to correct us kids. And of course, you know, preacher's kids were the worst kids. (laughs) Not really, but you know, we had to live up to that reputation. You're gonna call me that? I'll I'll make good on it. Anyway, you know, cutting up, just talking, whispering. And here's a, you know, my dad, my dad had a look. He'd he'd do this. He'd be sitting there playing the saxophone, sitting on the platform, play. he always played a hundred different instruments. So he'd kind of rotate around. He'd look over that instrument. He'd go, you know what that look meant? It was a, that look meant, if I got to look at you one more time, <laughs> there will be a price to pay. You're going to get tore up from the floor up when you get home, right? And if if that, if we didn't catch that look, there was one more. He only had two. The first one was, you know, communicated it thoroughly and very clearly. So Then he would do this. If we kept going, he'd do this. It was a, I told you, I warned you. It was like, and we knew, I don't care. You can run down to the altar and shed tears of repentance and have people praying you and shaking you. And, 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 and speak in tongues, you know, and, and let everybody hear you. And hopefully, it wasn't, it, 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 we were past that. That didn't go back retro. It meant things were going to be better in the future, but we would get home and dad would still, we thought he forgot about it. Be at the altar praying. I pray to God that my mom and dad and, and their friends go to Hobo Joe's tonight. That was the restaurant everybody went to. Remember Hobo Joe's? Nobody? Good Lord, where y'all been? Hobo Hobo Joe's, pecan pie, ice cream, late night stuff. I think it's safe, they forgot about it, no. I've woken up in the morning because I fell asleep in the car, wink, wink, and had to be carried and put in bed and get whipped in the morning. Just so I would know when dad gives you that look that look means what it means <laughs> now I, i'm being silly we, we understand that but here's what god is saying I, I and the elevated path there's no shouting and screaming from afar you get to that place of intimacy with god where you he, he he's communicating with you face to face remember and face-to-face means that he doesn't even have to open his mouth sometimes. He can just look at you and guide you with his eyes. Come in here and seek him and experience his presence. And sometime in the middle of all that, you don't know what it when it was... You can't even clearly define exactly what God said to you. But you, were, you came in with something upside down in your life. You came in with questions. You spent time in the familiar, intimate presence of God. And when you walked out that door, you knew exactly what you need to do now. Because God guided you with his eye.